pitch and bang, 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 bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Welcome to Stumps on this Saturday afternoon. Darren Parkin here talking all things cricket right around the land. Australia are currently in the UAE, about to head to India for a test series. Obviously about to play Sri Lanka as well in home soil in a three-match 2020 series. There's shield cricket going on and international fixtures all around the world. Since we last spoke, of course, Australia beaten in the one-day series by New Zealand away from home. A different Australian side, a new-look Australian side, but certainly found some gems. Marcus Stoinis' contribution to that that series particularly telling and some good contributions uh, by a few players but ultimately the Australians falling short against a, uh, a New Zealand side that got guys like Ross Taylor back who didn't come to Australia uh, when they were here uh, a month or so ago. John Hastings, the Australian fast bowler, filling in for uh, Merv Hughes, another of course of the fast bowling fraternity. Uh, John, nice to have you with us. Thanks, Darren. I seem to fit in Merv's chair quite nicely, actually. Yeah, well, I'd say it's, it's made a bit bigger <laughs> for him. So most people will uh, most people will fit into it reasonably well, I think. But uh, I guess how are you going? First and foremost, last time you played for Australia, you were our most uh, successful player on that tour of South Africa, and unfortunately, injuries uh, have uh, hit you since. Yes. Uh, so yeah, just before Christmas, I had a little bit of a mishap mm-hmm. um, playing Sheffield Shield cricket for Victoria, and. Um, just bowled simply ran in bowled a ball and felt a bit of a pop in my knee and um, you know that was that was pretty much it that was my summer over at mm. the time I didn't really realise how bad it was going to be but um, yeah had surgery shortly after I got back to Melbourne from Hobart and yeah just been in the in the rehab uh, group in with the Victorian Bush Rangers and uh, on the long term injury list if you like so it's been a little bit lonely missed the big mm. bash big mm. bash was unbelievable again and um, yeah so it's coming along okay. Um, I started bowling again this week, which is positive. But um, yeah, so for me, it'll just be try and get over and play for Worcester in the in the county championship. Uh, and also, there's there's a block of one day as just before the the Champions Trophy. So I'll try and aim to get back into that Australian team around the Champions Trophy. We heard Ed Cowan talk about uh, Nick Maddinson and how Nick Maddinson's taken a break away from the game. And, and Ed Cowan spoke about how. Uh, the Australian selectors don't necessarily handle those things very well when players are sort of left out of the side. I guess you're in a different situation where you've been injured rather than sort of omitted from the lineup. Uh, is there that correspondence with you where they'll talk and say, "Oh, how are you going?" They'll talk to your doctors. They like to know where you're at, or they'll just you'll be available one day and they'll pick you again. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a combination of everything. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know I've sort of been on the front foot this rehab period and just mm-hmm. tried to you know keep in keep in mind, I guess you mm-hmm. know and and um, Kevin Sims is, I guess, a coordinator of, of that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, there's a team of Alex Contouris oversees it as well. And Dave Beakley is the Australian physio. So, yeah, if look, if I wanted any answers, I could pick up the phone and, and give them a call, no doubt. But um, Kevin Sims is tasked with, you know, reaching out to all the injured mm-hmm. guys on, on the Cricket Australia contract list. So I had a bit of a chat with him this week and we've arranged a couple of times to go up to, you know, the, the Cricket Academy. Um, but I guess... You know, with with guys and and, mm-hmm. and on selection and communication and things, I I've always believed in you know that there should be that that communication as mm. soon as you've been dropped, you need to be told the reasons why, yeah, um, and yeah, and but, what you need to do to get yeah, back in. Exactly so. right. Mm. So I think you know, looking at Nick Maddinson's situation, mm. I, I can imagine it'd be quite tough for him in, mm-hmm. in realizing he's had a crack and he's you know not not gone, and obviously mm-hmm. he's not in a great headspace. So I wish him all all the best. But yeah, there's been a lot of players over the time to be in that sort of headspace after an incident like that. We'll head to all three of the Shield venues today. Also, Mark Taylor, former Australian captain, will join us and have a chat about the tour of, of India. Before we look at the, the Bush Rangers, though, I guess a couple of your teammates at Victorian level have done terrific things in the last few months, uh, most notably Pete Hanscom getting that call up to the Test Arena. And then we saw Marcus Stornis play one of the greatest innings probably ever for Australia in a one-day international in New yeah. Zealand. He was pretty impressive, mm. wasn't he, Big Storney? I was glad to see <laughs> that because he was, you know, he... he to his own standards, he probably mm-hmm. didn't do as well as he would have liked um, for the Melbourne Stars. Mm-hmm. He played a couple of crucial innings, um, you know, with the ball mainly. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it was it was just about you know watching him grow as a person over the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, he's always you know been really good at uh, working mm-hmm. hard in the nets and work physically on his body and all that sort of thing. But it was great to see him put mm-hmm. it all together and and do an, a great all round display for Australia. So I think he's got a big future, and I think. He and Mitch Marsh, now the selectors have seen that and now the Australian public have seen what Marcus Stoinis can do. I think they're going to be wanting more and um, you know he'll get, a, he'll get a fair few chances you know, in the coming coming days. And obviously, Petey Hanscom's had an unbelievable um, start to his test career and I think everyone in Victoria, you know, over the last four or five years, we've just watched him grow and grow and grow and probably groomed, um, you know, to play for Australia. So 
really I just saw it as a stepping stone. He was always going to get there one day, but you know I, I don't think even himself would have dreamt of you know the start that he's had. Um, he's just got a great temperament. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mentally he's 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 really well equipped to deal with the big stage. No, nothing really phases him. He's pretty easy going and. He works really hard on his game, and he's got. I think he has the game plan, uh, you know, and the, as I said, the mental ability to succeed for a long period of time. Play spin as well as anyone in the country. That's obviously going to be really important uh, in the subcontinent. And I guess there aren't too many players that sort of get developed these days in Australia to to play spin to to that level. Uh, the conditions for a couple of seasons now haven't quite been like that. I understand the shield pitches this year have been more traditional, as the Sydney pitch, for example, has taken turn and. Perth pitch has been a bit quicker, so maybe that'll help. But he certainly seems to handle the slower bowling particularly well. He does, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going uh, to go over in India because, you know, as you said, there's not many quality spinners around mm. Australian cricket that can actually test you. But I think mm. over the last few years, the pitches have been very, very flat, and they haven't, you know, as you said, been as traditional. And mm-hmm. The SCG's been quite green when we've played mm-hmm. there in previous times because they've had great seamers. Um, so... Yeah, I think there was a directive of Cricket Australia to bring back the characteristics of each individual ground, uh, and that certainly is means that the the SCG is going to turn, and it has done this year. Mm-hmm. Um, looks quite flat up there for this game. I think New South Wales was six declared for six hundred and five, but yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, it, you know it it has been turning and. Pete is very, very well equipped. He uses his feet really well. He's starting to sweep and you know, he gets deep in the crease and cuts as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. How, do you think, how important do you think the IPL is in terms of you know preparing Australians now? It used to always be difficult to, to travel to India. It still is. They're, they're a great side, particularly in home conditions. The, the conditions, the weather, everything, even the food and things like that you're confronted with is a challenge for players. But now, obviously, there's a lot of you playing with and against those guys. You might be playing in the same team as, say, Virat Kohli in the, uh, in the IPL and you're over there for a month or so of the year, so that must make it a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone will know. Everyone will be to India. There won't mm-hmm. be really too many surprises in the conditions mm-hmm. and you know how hard of a place it is to actually go and travel mm-hmm. and, and play. But I think the good thing about the IPL is you get to pick the brains mm-hmm. of certain individuals. And when I first went over and played for Chennai, I had Brendan McCullum, captain, mm-hmm. um, MS Dhoni, captain of his country, Faf Duplessis, captain of his country, and Dwayne Bravo at the time mm-hmm. was captain of his country as well. So, you know... I was talking to MS about you know playing spin mm. over there, and he was it's pretty easy for him. He just whacks it over the park. Yeah, that's but, right. <laughs> but um, the Murley was actually Murley mm. was was over there as well, and he mm. was you know saying you need to get quite low, and there were certain ways that he went about bowling to mm-hmm. batters, and you know certain ways that I would go about trying to face him in the net. So it was a really good learning experience, and I think now that yeah, I mean so many guys are exposed to it. Um, mm. and, we, and you just get to, to pick the brains of some really good international cricketers. We'll get to a break. We'll touch on the Tasmanian Shield game next. They're battling and, and have been for a little while. Western Australia well and truly in command in that contest. We'll check on New South Wales and Queensland, where, as John said, New South Wales racking up a, a massive score. And Victoria getting on top of South Australia after a uh, the ball essentially dominated the first day of this match. Uh, the bat hitting back a little bit in day two. A bit of an injury scare for Sam Harper. Another good performance for John. John Holland, who's probably a bit stiff not to be on the subcontinent, but uh, all of that and more on Stumps. You're listening to Stumps. Knocks him over with pace, real pace. You're listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Darren Parkin here with John Hastings, Victorian Bush Rangers and Australian fast bowler. We're going to head to Tasmania. Adam Smith joins us in the Hobart Mercury, one of our regular correspondents. Tasmania very much up against it, against the Western Australians. Uh, they're 212 runs behind on first innings and uh, currently 2 for 21. So still 191 runs away from making them bat again. Uh, Adam, thanks for your time. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Been a bit of a battle for uh, for Tasmania of late? It certainly has, yeah. It's sort of the theme of uh, the majority of the season and particularly the last couple of days, probably gone back to the very start when they put in a couple of real shockers and they've certainly got their backs against the wall at the moment with another 10 overs remaining tonight to try and get the stumps without any more damage. Looking at uh, Hilton Cartwright first and, and foremost, uh, he was selected for Australia a bit out of left field in a limited overs squad, didn't play and then got picked in the test match at Sydney and I think he made 38 or 39 or something like that, didn't bowl all that much but you would have thought if they picked him as an all-rounder uh, he didn't exactly fail and then he doesn't go to India either and he comes out and makes 94 here so at least he's making the right noises. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and he constructed his innings really well. He came in uh, sort of late last night and sort of just got through that stumps to stumps period. And, and again today, sort of started slowly. And I think his half century came up off 102 balls and he sort of started to flourish after that. He was certainly helped by uh, uh, a bit of interesting bowling from Cameron Boyce, who sent down a few half trackers. And he took full toll and uh, and just perished with us when the second new ball came along. He edged the second slip and fell just short of that uh, probably well-deserved 100 it would have been. Adam, I'm interested to hear about this young Green from WA. Obviously, five for twenty-four on debut, off eight point one. Um, you know, I've, I've read the team sheet when the, when the, I had a look, uh, as you do, of a morning on uh, when the shield is just about to start, and um, so a young Green's name on there. I didn't have a clue who he was, and turns out he's a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, look, he, he's a river kid. We had a chat to him after stumps last night and he said he was playing in the Futures League game earlier in the week and got the call up and so got pulled out of that and said that he fully expected to be 13th man and only brought the one pair of whites with him and uh, got the yeah got the tap on the shoulder uh, yesterday morning to say that he was going to be in and, and the conditions were certainly as uh, favoured the bowlers uh, as they often can on the opening morning down here in Bel- at Belrive, but uh, you know, tall kid, bowls uh, good right arm out swingers and, and he just put the ball in the right areas often enough and, and the Tassie guys, I think eight of the wickets yesterday were caught behind from the keeper through to gully so they pitched the ball up and uh, and we've benefited from a, a couple of shots that Tassie probably didn't need to play. Now Macken, I think he took 12 wickets in the last Shield game, he's taken a lot of wickets this summer he took four again in the uh, in the first dig so Western Australia have had a, a pretty steady stream of fast bowlers over the years and he may be another Absolutely, yeah. Another one of those real, real tall, uh, high arm action and gets good bounce. And so they bowled, they bowled pretty well yesterday as a unit. Uh, as I mentioned, Tassie didn't help their cause by probably poking at a few deliveries wide of off stump that they didn't need to. But that's sort of that perceived pressure of the bowlers just consistently putting the ball in a decent area and they got the reward. And uh, George Bailey just continues to impress me. What a, what a human being that man is. <laughs> uh, he's practically carrying Tasmania on his own. Yeah, I feel really sorry for him. He walked out to the crease yesterday, and I think it was after the, in the in the fourth over at two for two, and he's walked out today in the fourth over at two for twelve, and it was a horrible start for Tassie. First ball of the innings today, Jordan Silk pushed a ball just four to square, uh, took off for a single, and Andrew Ty ran around and had a direct hit from side on, and uh, Jake Hancock was run out for a black duck. So mm-hmm. great way to start the second innings, but yeah, again a lot's left on George's shoulders. He's, he's made a good start here. He's ten not out at the moment, and, and together with Alex Doolan, who uh, is the other senior uh, member of this batting group, these guys are going to have to bat not only through to tonight, but deep into tomorrow if Tassie are going to have any chance of salvaging something from it. Yeah, they've got a couple of issues at the moment, Tassie, don't they? I mean, they're, they're top order. They really do, as we said, rely heavily on George. How do you see it playing out over the next little bit and obviously the pre-season? You know, what are they going to come up with, do you think? Yeah, uh, it's tough. I guess they've just... The loss of Ed Cowan and Mark Cosgrove has stung so so bad at the top of this order. I think they've, they've churned through a number of openers uh, since both of those guys went back home. There'd be five or six different combinations at least and they just can't get off to a good start we're, we're constantly sort of one two down in the first five six overs and it obviously just opens up that middle order so um the recruitment of an opener you know the numbers people aren't exactly bashing the door down um in local cricket down here it's more middle order guys ben mcdermott's putting up some good numbers in the futures league and and in the great cricket scene. But in terms of pure openers, I guess they're probably hard to find across the country. So it'd be a good starting point for Tassie. But, yeah, there's certainly some issues within this batting group that need to get sorted. We saw what McDermott did for the Hurricanes against the Renegades at, at Etihad on that, that night where they, they chased 223. But um, you look at Alex Doolan, who made that double century earlier and he then got concussed and, and obviously missed a, a little bit of play as a result of that, but had a very good campaign. And, and Silk's a guy who was really highly regarded a couple of summers ago and um, obviously still got a fair bit of talent, but but maybe hasn't quite matched that with the numbers lately? Oh, absolutely. I think after his first seven or eight games, he had five or six entries on the board and, and was obviously being touted for higher honours and has just fallen away a little bit since then. Um, you know, yeah, and, and it's just, you know, Bo Webster's a, a promising youngster who's had a good start to his career, so there's high hopes for him that he'll continue on with that. But you know, there's some talent there. Jake Doran, we obviously everyone's talked about, hasn't probably come on as much as Tasmania would have liked. And uh, so with the guys around the group, if they can stick together and can somehow work through it, hopefully sort of that'll start to blossom in the next couple of years. Cam Bancroft just 
just before we let you go, uh, it was a guy again that was touted for higher honours. He may have been selected, if I'm not mistaken, on that tour of Bangladesh that didn't go ahead uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he made 84 uh, today or in this uh, in this match yesterday, uh, and that's obviously some good signs for him because his numbers this summer have probably dropped him down the list a bit further. Yeah, that's absolutely. I think he was wasn't one of those unlucky ones yeah. who was set to get his chance and, and then the tour didn't go ahead. And I think I, I might have read somewhere that when he came back, he might have pushed too hard trying to keep his name yeah. up in front of selectors. So he looked he looked really comfortable out there over the course of the innings. 130 run opening stand with Johnny Wells um, sort of certainly put the platform and was again within sight of what would have been a well deserved century and was just prized out um, just before lunch today. So. Um, but a good sign for him, I guess, to be starting to find some form. Adam, thank you very much for your time. Always great catching up with you. Hopefully we can uh, speak to you again soon. No worries. Thanks very much, guys. Adam Smith joining us in the Hobart. Mercury, Tasmania, two for 23 now, 189 runs behind, just making Western Australia bad again. But it has been tough, but we spoke about Hilton Cartwright. Have you ever been, I mean, as players that are in the Australian system, do you ever look around and think, Geez, where'd they pluck him from? Or you've usually got an idea, obviously, a long time before the public that someone's okay. Well, I think normally, in a, in a normal sense, over the last few years, mm. you sort of get a gauge of, you know, this guy's quite good or mm. you know something like that. But I think now that we're seeing the selectors are, are more sort of leaning towards picking youth mm. and picking on potential, so I suppose there's a couple that are coming out of the woodwork. Um, certainly, there's guys that get touted as having a lot of ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, you run across them sometimes at the up at the NCC or mm. something like that. And play against them, and they have a good glimpse of form. But certainly, Hilton Cartwright a few years ago, you know, he got seventy, I think, against uh, us over at the Wacker, and um, you know, it was a pretty impressive knock. Um, I mm. hadn't really seen him do much with the ball, but you know, they they say that he's he's quite a handy medium pacer as well. But as I said, I said, you know, sometimes mm. you, you see these glimpses, but it's quite hard as a young kid to try and put it all together. Do you ever? Um, I imagine it'd be difficult saying that John Holland situation that we might touch on later. Uh, is it times where you're thinking, oh, geez, you should be playing for Australia, and then someone else gets picked and you play against that team, and maybe you remind that guy that's been picked ahead of him that uh, you're going to want to play well. Our, our boys should be in the team. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of that mm. with without. Uh, especially with us in Victoria, we, you know, we we definitely play hard like that, and yeah, we seem to miss out a little bit the Vicks sometimes <laughs> when uh, when selection rolls around. But I mean, it's, I guess it's been certainly in terms of bowlers. I mean, yourself, Pattinson, Siddle. I mean, Holland has played as well. Uh, we've seen a few glimpses from from that, but but maybe haven't had the batsmen necessarily get the Australian recognition. But uh, good to see, obviously, Hanscom and, and Stoyner starting to change that. Yeah, I think over the last few years we've really built a pretty successful culture. Obviously, we've won the last couple of Shields as well. So mm-hmm. you know we're yeah, we're, we're getting there, so it's very, very exciting. Yeah, Boland and, and Tremaine also getting opportunities within the uh, Australian system. I think Tremaine went to South Africa, I think, with uh, with you guys. Is that yeah, right? he did, yeah. yeah. So, that we, you know, we've got a lot of Australian experience now. It's just a matter of trying to get a couple of guys in there that are cemented. Yeah, they, they just keep roles in the side. Obviously, Maxwell is a guy we'll have a chat about. Uh, coming up towards uh, a break, we'll be back with plenty more after this. We'll head to South Australia and Victoria, that Shield game, which was... Dominated by the ball early, but the bat starting to fight back with Victoria building a lead. And we'll have a chat about New South Wales racking up a, a, a mighty score against Queensland. Six for 600, odd batting first in that one. Now, plenty more to come. You're listening to Stumps, Darren Parkin with John Hastings. Yes, welcome to Stumps, talking all things cricket. Darren Parkin here with John Hastings. Mark Taylor to join us a little bit later on, the former Australian captain. We have a chat about the build-up to Australia's tour of India, currently in the UAE. You might hear a snippet of Ashton Agar, who spoke to the media yesterday at a press conference as part of that squad. But we're working our way through the Shield matches. We just touched on Western Australia being in a commanding position against Tasmania. The Victorian-South Australian game has been interesting. We had 15 wickets fall on the first day, but it seems to have settled down a touch since. Richard Earl joins us from the Adelaide Advertiser. Richard, thanks for your time. Aaron, how you going? Going along very well. The ball certainly uh, dominated yesterday. The Vicks all out for 180-odd, and then they had South Australia five for its stumps, but looks to have settled down a touch today. Yeah, I mean, as, as we've seen today, uh, well, in the second part of today, you know, Travis Dean and uh, Marcus Harris, uh, you know, very uh, handy-opening uh, partnership there. Uh, and, you know, at one for 84, 
in the second innings, all of a sudden uh, the Vic's looking sort of right on top to set a, a very uh, a very decent uh, target. And you've seen South Australia fold for sub-200 titles in the last few games, so they're looking pretty good at the moment. The man who did take the wicket was Chad Sayers, who keeps taking wickets, got another four yep. in the first innings and would be about as close to a game for Australia as you could possibly be. Uh, I don't know what he has to do. Um, he's got uh, 206 wickets at about 23 in 51 games. He's got, uh, what are we looking at, about 42, 43 wickets already this season, on course for possibly 60 wickets, um, which would be putting him right there as a, as a record breakover run for anyone in the Shield. So he, he is amazing. He makes the the, um, the batsman play every single ball. Uh, he can actually swing it both ways, which is very rare in Australian domestic cricket um, these days. Uh, the knockers on him say he's not fast enough, but um, he just he just he just keeps producing, and uh, you know he's another exceptional display by him. Yeah, I mean, no one will really know until he gets there, I guess. But uh, another Correct. man that I was uh, really interested to see how he went this time, James Pattinson's been a long road back for him. A uh, very close mate of mine. Two for 59 off 14. It was a little bit expensive, but how did you see his return to play? Yeah, look, Pat, I mean, he's, he's, just, he's, he's a work in progress. Um, I guess the key thing for him is seeing, seeing what his pace is like, and his pace seems to be quite decent at the moment. We just don't want him to, to break down again. He's just doing a managed a managed return. And um, I think everything is looking pointing in the right direction for Pato. And um, I'll tell you what, if he gets his um, if he gets his um, body together, all of a sudden you had that attack we've always dreamed of for, us, for Australia. Uh, you know, with Carmen, Starkey and Hazel, that four of those blokes um, all going strong. Um, that'd be something pretty, pretty mouth-watering. We spoke about uh, guys being unlucky to play for Australia and Chad Sayers being one of those. John Holland would mm. be another. Uh, played for Australia yeah. in Sri Lanka, of course, and yeah. in that last test match. But uh, has taken, I think, 63 wickets at about 24 in his last 10 shield matches now as a spinner. Took four for 25 in the first innings yep. and probably a little bit stiff not to be in India. Yeah, I mean, he just had that awful um, ankle injury, didn't he, mm. uh, during the, the big bash. And that's what really, uh, really hurt him. Uh, he is. He, he loves bowling against South Australia. I mean, he destroyed the he destroyed the Redbacks in last year's Sheffield Shield final, and, and again he's um on fire here. And uh, he, his form his form lines have been fantastic over the last uh, twelve months. And yeah, I, I reckon if he had been um, if the injury concerns hadn't been there, he would have been a real a real strong chance of being in here, and he could have done some real damage over there. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the uh, South Australian batting lineup before we get into some of the ins and outs mm. of that, Jake Lehman was the last man out for 92 and continues what's been yeah. a, a pretty fine season for him. That was essentially a lone hand. Yeah, he's um, he's pretty incredible, um, Jake. I mean, he, he just keeps doing sort of uh, in a decisive innings. He made 77 against um, WA last week in a, in a losing team, made 129 that won the game against Tasmania earlier in the year. He, he can seem to um, make runs when others can't, and he's uh, he's averaging fifty uh, in first class cricket, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it isn't doesn't like the other formats, but loves first class cricket. And, um, he really is one one to watch and one that's just tearing away quietly because uh, he's he, he can he scores beautifully, he scores freely, and he, he never he's never overawed by situations. So uh, at uh, at twenty four and averaging fifty, uh, you know, in, into his third third season. He's definitely one to watch. Just interested to to know on on the first day, obviously fifteen wickets fell. Was it a combination yeah. of you know leaving a little bit more grass on the wicket, or was it just a, a bit of the the Duke's ball, or a bit of combination of both? I think I think a bit of everything. I mean that that Duke's ball. What we're finding is um, look, it's not, it doesn't it doesn't swing around like you know a lot more than the kookaburra, but what we're finding is it stays harder mm. for longer and and will swing you know just just do a bit more for longer. And that's um that's what Chatty says that after that last um. That last game, he really found he liked it, but um, it took a little while to control. But um, it, it did it did um, give more for longer. But what you find also with the wickets at Adelaide Oval, they're pretty good at the moment. They're, they're trying to make result wickets, um, but, but but wickets that also favour um, that give seven everyone you know a chance, even the spinners. Um, it'll do a bit on the first day, and then it's flattened uh, slightly out. But it does nibble around a bit more than it used to used to here, um, and doesn't crack up like it used to. So. Um, batting is, is definitely is definitely harder, but once once you've seen once someone like Jacobin does get in, um, he can you can make runs. Travis Head uh, missed out a bit with the bat. Uh, how's his overall work for in your assessment? I guess across the season because we saw him play limited overs cricket for Australia yep. and, and equip himself quite well, and uh, is considered to be obviously a future Test prospect given that all rounding capabilities as well. 
Yeah, oh, look, you know, Travis is really exciting, and it's probably it's probably it's probably the most exciting young batsman to watch when he's he's in full flight. Um, again, he just he made that hundred for Australia around that maiden hundred for Australia, but would have liked to have seen him um, go on for that fifty in New Zealand. He needed that another beginning just to really ignite it international level. That's the only thing keeping him back. He made one hundred and thirty against um, uh, Victoria in November, which was um, in, a, in a losing side, which was you know still impressive. Um, but then again, we all, he also he just got to, he just got to minimise his run of low scores uh, and bridge the gap between his high scores and like any young batsman, and, that, and that's the key for him. But um, certainly, um, I know there's a big reps on him from within the Australian setup, and then just waiting for a bit more consistency, I guess, at first class level from him. Aaron Finch scored uh, it was a quick fire 49 yesterday as well. So he's a guy that that's probably been the one thing missing from his resume has yeah. been consistent red ball runs. Yeah, it was good to see. Um, <laughs> Finchie only took fifty-three balls, and he got his um, he got his forty-nine. Um, I mean, he, his first-class average isn't 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 what he likes to read um, uh, at, at the moment. But uh, he's still he's still such an exciting, explosive package, and I reckon everyone in Australian cricket would love to see him just you know really really do well in the first-class team because he's just a fantastic bloke to bloke to watch. Richard, I got an update here from uh, our physio in the change rooms. He said, uh, you know. I spoke with the accident and emergency trauma doctor, conscious, improving. Uh, the CT scan was being normal. No evidence of a fracture or brain bleed. Um, Sammy's yep. not fully recovered from the knock as yet and will be kept in hospital overnight. So I suppose right. there's a little bit of good news there with, with Sammy, but what a terrible incident. Yeah, I mean, it was just looking at the replays. I mean, you had uh, you had um, Lehman just sort of come around and connect and almost... It's almost like it was it was a horizontal and it sort of slid either under or in between the in between the grill or just under the grill and it's just taken him somewhere on those on those cheekbones and um, yeah I mean as, as we saw Danny Green the other day if you get if you get knocked mm. on the cheekbone you sort of lose your balance um, anyone can so uh, a, a sort of a sickening blow it was probably you know it looked pretty bad first up but it's good to see he was actually talking afterwards and, and was conscious um, pretty well straight afterwards so that was a that's a positive sign but it's it's never a good look on the cricket field, and and now now the big keeper we expect will be um, without their without a keeper for the rest of the game. But um, yeah, it's a tough one. And they don't have Hanscom there to take the gloves. No, they can't. Right. Has on there, a fairly regular basis. Has yeah. there been any talk of maybe just getting a, a replacement in, or um, you know, is there any scope for that? Has there been a discussion around the ground at all? Oh, I haven't. I mean, there's always Finchie who can adequately sort of uh, keep, I guess. Um, <laughs> he loves it too. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he regards himself as a keeper, Matthew. He but, does. Um, <laughs> but I, I haven't heard as to what the, what the plans are, but um, I guess this brings this whole this whole uh, issue of uh, yeah. wanting to have concussion, concussion subs, which has been talked about. And um, every time you see this thing, uh, these kind of events happen, you think we have to do this in terms of player player welfare because you, it's just otherwise not a, not a great look for the game. don't know if either of you have seen this. I showed, did show you, John, but uh, if you're going to bring in a keeper, you might not bring in uh, Mushfika Rahim from Bangladesh. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that stumping against uh, against India where he had about three chances with uh, Sahar, the Indian keeper, halfway down the track and somehow did not take the bails off and... It is the talk around the world where he uh, he basically had a clean go at the stump, seemed to just drop short with his hands, and then hovered his hands there, waited for the Indian batsman to come back and then flick the bales off. It wasn't a it wasn't a great look. Oh no, that's yeah, one of the worst oh, no. I've seen. I think <laughs> <laughs> so. He might not get the call up. I think Finchie might have that covered. But Richard, thanks very much for joining us on the program. Victoria now one for ninety one for ninety one, and we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Richard Earl joining us there. Uh, before we head to a break, we'll just hear a little snippet of Ashton Agar speaking to the media in uh, the UAE ahead of Australia moving on to India. And he's a chance to rekindle his test career after debuting in England in 2013. Ash, must be pleasing to pick up a few wickets today. Very pleasing to get some wickets. So it's always nice to bowl out in the middle in a competitive environment and against some really good players. So uh, it was a really good hit out actually for everyone. How important do you think uh, these sorts of hit-outs and sessions are, are ahead of the first test and selection? Um, oh, they're always important, um, having a centre-wicket session. Mind you, it is a practice game, so um, you know, I'm just taking confidence out of that from my bowling. I'm um, not really thinking too much about selection, just trying to do the right thing out of the middle. Um, do you feel like you've already made some adjustments to your bowling for in preparation for bowling in Indian conditions? Yeah, definitely. Um, the spinners have been working really closely together in the nets and it's been really good. Um, Gazza and, and Sock have been wonderful with their experience and, and Shwepo 
coming in and bowling really aggressively in the nets has worked really nicely as well. So we've had good conversations and I think we're adjusting accordingly. Yeah. Tell us about Nathan Lyons' catch first Starks look at today. I think Starky didn't think that it carried, but it definitely carried. Um, great catch, low diving to his right, um, and it just stuck beautifully. So a serious bit of fielding. Sean Marsh seems to be in some good nicks still. How did you rate his innings? He's just been in great touch for a long time now. Um, his innings was just calm and composed and um, his feet are moving beautifully and that's always a good sign when, when Sean's batting and his feet are moving quickly. Um, that's when you know he's in some good nicks, so I'm very happy for him. Um, how are you finding the balance between working on both your batting and your bowling ahead of the Indian series? Uh, it's been awesome coming to Dubai to do that actually because we've had long net sessions and there's been plenty of time to, to practice my batting as much as my bowling and um, you know, hopefully get a hit out in the middle tomorrow, so um, the balance is going really well. What, um, what did you take out of that Australian A tour to India in 2015? Um, just learning how to bowl in those conditions, learning the areas, um, the seam angles, the pace, all the different things um, you have to do when you're bowling over there, because it is a lot different to how we bowl at home, and I guess we have, have to get out of the comfort zone and, and really try some things when we're in India. You made your test over nearly four years ago now. What do you think the um, main differences are in your game between then and now? I think I just have an understanding of what makes me the cricketer I am and I think I've matured a lot in the last four years. Probably I've played a lot more games than I had when I first um, played those two tests and, and I feel like I'm much better prepared for it now. Just as a person as well, I think, much more calm. Full pitch and bang! Bang, bang, bang! It's gone! You're listening to Stumps. Listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Great to have your company right around uh, New South Wales, South Australia, parts of Queensland, into Tasmania as well, regional Victoria. Darren Parkin here with John Hastings. Third of our Shield matches. Our correspondent just a little bit uh, tied up with some reporting at the moment. We'll try to get to him a little bit later on. But New South Wales, six for 603 declared batting first. They're in great form. They unfortunately poleaxed your uh, Bush Rangers in their most recent match uh, very convincingly, but uh, racking up the runs. And Moses Enriques, who's sometimes a bit maligned in the uh, in the public, had an excellent big bash, had a very good Shield campaign early in the season, makes 265. And Peter Neville now three centuries in three Shield games. Yeah, geez, they've racked them up over the mm. last couple of games, haven't they? A couple of massive scores. Obviously, Eddie Cowan having a double last week as well. So, so they made 500 in that and then 600 in this. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they're going well. But I'm really impressed with Moses on Riggs. Mm. Um, originally, I'm from New South Wales and I sort of grew up playing mm. with him in the underage tournaments. And he was one of those guys that was always going to be touted as a, a special talent. Mm. And, you know, he's had his injury concerns along the way. But, you know, I think the way he's matured. Um, he's captain of, of both both the Big Bash and he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Sheffield Shield side as well. And, you know, he's just gone from strength to strength. And he's, as I said, he's always been that player that's been touted. But, you know, now he's really stacking up the, the performances. And if he can keep his body whole, I think we'll see him in Australian colours soon. Yeah, he played five tests, four in India a few years ago. He played in Sri Lanka in the most recent tour. He's probably, again, a little bit unlucky on the balance of form. We'll, we'll touch on Neville in a moment. But uh, just putting it in perspective, New South Wales were two for two. So to end up making 605 when you're two for two, they lost Hughes for a golden duck who was uh, caught by, I think it's, it, do we say Labashagny? Do we accept that that's the way yeah, it's pronounced? Yeah, there's, there's a few ways to pronounce yeah. it. I think we, we say loose or bus change or... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually Labashagny. Yeah. Labashagny, so. yeah, South African name. Of course, bowled by Jaw, of course, Labashagny bowled George and then Ed Cowan, LBW for a duck after making a double century. In his most recent game, Larkin made 86, Patterson made 88, who's a good young player. But Peter Neville, I guess, just starting on that one, 143 not out. So that's three shield tons in a row. Uh, there's all that debate about who's the better gloveman. I know, obviously, you play with uh, with Wadey and, and Neville plays for the Renegades sometimes here, but yeah, he's uh, he's doing everything right. He's doing everything right, Nevy. He's always good, had good hands, and um, you know that's never been the issue. Mm. I think you know the reasons why Matty Wade come in was because of his batting and that sort of hard nosed edge that he gives the Australian mm-hmm. cricket team and. Nevy's gone back. He said, I've read an article today actually that, you know, he, he confided in some quality humans and that was Moses Enriques and, yeah. and Stephen O'Keefe about, you know, being at the top level and what they thought he needed to do to, to get back there. And he said it just clicked for him and he's obviously it has <laughs> because he's, he's you know, setting it on, on fire. So if Matty Wade has a lean patch in India and, 
you know, going into the Champions Trophy. Who knows? Pete Neville's knocking down the door. He can't do much more at the moment. I don't know if you saw Moses Henrique's gesture late on the uh, on the first day. New South Wales were four for 320. Or Joe Burns bowled three overs at the end of the day. And he bowled the last over of the day, actually, Joe Burns, in some of the fading light. And uh, Henrique's had been wearing the helmet all day. There was one over left, and he called for the cap when Joe Burns was uh, was bowling to him. So it's a nice little, uh, <laughs> nice little gentle jive that he said, I don't need this against you. So uh, <laughs> he gave brilliant. that the flick for, uh, for one over. Over, uh, Burns three overs, one maiden, none for nine. So he certainly wasn't disgraced in that little period. And he's uh, he's twenty nine, not out at the moment. Forrest is forty five, not out. You played a lot of cricket with Peter Forrest, who represented Australia for quite a while as a, a one day batsman at the top of the order. Yeah, it's, it's sort of been strange. I, I'm not sure whether he's been injured much this mm. year, or the, you know they've obviously had a couple of young guys mm. in Renshaw and Hazlitt and these sorts of guys and Labashane as well. So maybe it's been a combination of him being injured and and the a couple of other guys just being in front of him. But, uh, yeah, Pete's a, a quality uh, player and a quality human being. I spent my childhood growing up with him and Stephen O'Keefe out mm. at the Hawkesbury Career Club. And, uh, you know, we used to travel in together as a rookie contracted mm-hmm. player and, and uni as well. So <laughs> yeah. some great memories with him. I'm gra- I'm rapt to see him back out there. But, uh, you know, he's a quality person to have around your team. And Joe Burns, as we said, 29 not out. I mean, it's probably difficult for you to discuss selection issues when you're in the Australian frame as well. But talk about guys sometimes being unlucky. Joe Burns came back in when Cal Ferguson debuted. It was a disastrous test match for Australia against South Africa in Hobart. And there was always going to be casualties. I sort of compare that to the next test where Australia played Pakistan and Nick Maddinson made a duck, but Australia won easily. Well, not easily, but they won the Test match, and he obviously kept his place in a winning side. I always think that if Maddinson debuted in Hobart, he would have been dropped straight away. If Ferguson debuted in Brisbane, he would have stayed in the team. And had Burns have come back in, he might have stayed in the team based on the fact that they beat Pakistan. So you can be unlucky. You can be unlucky, and I think we've seen with Burnsy, I think mm. you know he didn't have a great uh, big bash. Mm. Uh, I think we've seen the effects of just how much pressure there is playing mm. for Australia and the effects of actually being left out and being dropped, it can actually play with your mind and tinker mm-hmm. with your game as well. You think, oh, I need to change parts of my game, but mm-hmm. in actual fact, you probably don't. All mm-hmm. it is is just that lack of confidence in, in being left out of a cricket side that you don't want, want to have hanging over your head. And um, Burnsy's 33, not out at the moment, but you know, I, I just think it affects you so much, and we've seen mm. it with Maddinson now. Once you get left out of a side, you're just looking for answers. I think that's what we're seeing with Burns. Plenty of forgotten Australian players in that team, in that game, actually. Obviously, you've got Ed Cowan, you've got Trent Copeland, who debuted in Sri Lanka a few years ago. Doug Bollinger's running around there, Moses Henriques, and then you've got, obviously, Joe Burns in that Queensland lineup, Peter Forrest. So, a lot of guys we've seen play for Australia who, rightly or wrongly, might have had their, uh, their paper stamped along the way. But New South Wales, 6 for 603 declared, and uh, Queensland and in reply, none for 81. I guess just on a couple of the uh, the Victorian boys that we were sort of touching on uh, before, Glenn Maxwell, uh, I guess the, the thoughts on him where he played for Australia in that one-day series but didn't bowl a ball. I guess the, the interesting one was he's going to go to India as the all-rounder. Uh, Travis Head's not going to India as your roundy. It was bowling 10 overs every match, essentially. So would it be hard to, for Steve Smith as captain to, to sort of go to Glenn Maxwell and say, we still actually rate you. We want you to deliver for us in India when, obviously, in Australia, he wasn't prepared to bowl him? Well, that's exactly what he's going to have mm. to do because, mm. you know, taking Glenn Maxwell to India, who knows the conditions so well, he's played a lot over there. He's had a lot of success in the IPL over there. So... He's a man that you actually need to go to and put mm. a bit of confidence in and say, right, I'm going to have to bowl this guy, so I'm going to have to have that, that conversation with him. As for why he didn't bowl in, during the summer, I'm not too sure. I, I, I couldn't work it out. I just mm. thought, you know, here or there, a couple of overs, and sometimes if Glenn's on, he can be a fantastic asset, mm. you know, with bat, ball, or in the field. So Steve Smith's going to have to go to him, and eventually he's going to have to play, I think, um, because the balance, team balance, and, um, you know, he just knows those conditions so well. If you were picking an Australian team in India, I guess it depends on the pitches, would you pick three quicks and one spinner and then play Maxwell, or would you pick two quicks and two spinners and then play, say, Mitch Marsh as your third quick? So go with Nathan Lyon and then either Swepson or Agar, and then Stark and Hazelwood, then Marsh, or go, say, Stark, Hazelwood, Bird, let's say, Mm. Lyon, and then Maxwell. I've been thinking about this for a little while and looking Mm. back on some of the the tours that Australia have been Mm. reasonably successful. And for my opinion, I think... You play to your strengths, mm-hmm. and I think our strengths are the quick Quicks. bowlers. Yeah. So for me, I'd be playing Glenn Maxwell or even Ashton Agar to a sense because he can bat. Yeah. Um, so you know he could slide down. So to wait seven. at six, Agar wait at seven, six, Agar yeah. seven. That looks okay to me. Yeah, I think it does. that could work. But I would play the three quicks. I mean, mm. 
that's just the strength of the Australian cricket team. It doesn't matter if it's spinning square or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think the, sp- the spinners that we have, no offence to them, are world-class spinners mm-hmm. and that we need to, you know, panic and just say it's spinning. We need to play spinners. Mm-hmm. I think just play to your strengths. Um, Stark, Hazelwood, Bird, and then probably Agar or Maxwell there at, at six or seven. If you're at Coley, I think has suggested a little bit and credit to him to Indian curators that they start to prepare pitches with a bit of pace in it because they've got to get better at facing that around the world. Obviously, they come to Australia or go to England, etc., and usually struggle against that type of bowling. So it's a good attitude. I mean, obviously they they dominate at home, but but really battle. I think they've actually won the fewest amount of Test matches away from home in the last five years, even less than say Zimbabwe and Bangladesh. So that obviously hasn't been good enough on, on their front but from your point of view bowling over there I mean it's, it's obviously different in say limited overs to long form mm. cricket but how do you get something out of those conditions when they are turning tracks yeah no it's hard work it's just mm. a really really tough tour mm. um, I've only been on one day tours over there mm. for Australia but it's been at the back end of the test tours mm. and you arrive and you can, it's and you a bit can of see a, the fatigue in the other players a bit and of yeah. a laugh, you know a bit yeah. of a crossover when you meet them at the hotel and they're absolutely just knackered. I mean, mm. four tests over there would be absolutely hard work. Um, the pitches mm. are just so flat. You mm. really rely heavily on reverse swing. If you can't get the ball to reverse swing, it's it's an straight absolute up and nightmare. Down. It's just yeah. straight up and down. It's it's fifty thousand degrees. You, yeah. you know, you're sweating. You've got to come off halfway through every session to change your toes, retape your toes, and then mm. you know, fresh socks. These sorts of things you don't have to deal with in Australia. It all adds up. Um, mm. But yeah, you, you just got to try and find something that works, whether it's cross seam, scrambled seam, something that you can get a bit of life out of the pitch or reverse swing. But if you can't get that, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it'd be it'd be real tough in terms of diet. Now, I mean, is it a case where you got your own guys that just cook for you all the time and provide you with a uh, provide you with with food and, and prepare meals, or is it a case if you just got to be careful where you go to eat? Yeah, I just think if you stay to the hotels, mm. you can't really go wrong. Mm. Sometimes the boys. You know, taken um, taken down as we call it over there. Yeah. Man goes down, but um, yeah, if you stay away from things yeah. like that have been washed in their water, the simple travel tips that you normally yeah. get, you know, you're, you're pretty okay at times. So mm. it is one of those things that you have to keep an eye on, though, especially during the test. You don't want to be out there having got, a crook tummy. No, you don't. And plenty of players have spoken about that. You're listening to uh, to Stumps. India are in command against Bangladesh. They've had a big summer. They've had. Uh, I think four or five test matches against England. They've got three against Bangladesh and four against Australia. So that's a 12-test home summer that's for them, huge. which is a fairly hectic schedule. Mark Taylor, we'll hear from him very shortly, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about a few of the general cricketing matters after this. Darren Parker with John Hastings talking cricket for Stumps. Fantastic to catch up with a, a man who I believe is Australia's finest ever test captain, uh, leading Australia uh, from uh, the latter stages of 1994 through to his retirement in early 99. 104 test matches in all for Australia, 7,500 runs with 19 centuries. Uh, Mark Taylor, of course, and Mark, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure, Darren. Nice to be with you. Now, uh, as part of Merv's Outdoor Adventures and, and Merv's fishing program, you've uh, jumped on the boat with him. Did he have to twist your arm too much? I imagine, uh, having spent a lot of time in change rooms with Merv, that uh, maybe the idea of a few hours with him at times wouldn't be all that appealing? Uh, it, it can be sometimes hard work, actually. But no, no, generally, a lot of fun spending some time with Merv, particularly fishing. Um, I think people know who watch the cricket that I, I love my fishing. I, I love getting outdoors and... I suppose my first love was always cricket, but I've always enjoyed my fishing. So when Merv asked me to go on his show, um, which we did during the week, um, had a lot of fun. We probably didn't get as many fish as we would have liked, but uh, the weather wasn't overly kind to us. But all in all, we had a lot of fun, as, as I always have when I spend a couple of days with a big fella. How often do you go out now fishing, I guess, on your own? Is it a case of, you know, you're outside of cricket season when you get a break, or, or do you get a chance to do it fairly regularly? Well, I, I used to be a bit of a golfer um, yeah. and always tried to play golf once a week as I could as, as my sort of leisure, I suppose. So I've tried to take that philosophy into my fishing. So I now have my own little fishing boat and uh, I try to get myself to go out at least once a week, uh, even during the cricket season. I try and get out there and uh, even just a half a day if I can and throw a few lures for, for some brim and flathead or whiting or something like that just to... I suppose, clear the mind. Um, and as I said, I enjoy the outdoors. So uh, to me, I find it very relaxing um, and a nice way just to, 
the past half a day. Absolutely. Uh, when you toured around the world, I imagine, as you say, there would have been a lot of golf in that as well, but going, going to South Africa and the West Indies, Pakistan, uh, New Zealand, etc., Sri Lanka, and, of course, England. Uh, was it a case of collectively as a group a lot of players would go out fishing or is that more of a uh, you know golf on your days off? No, it was generally golf on the days off when I played uh, cricket. Um, I, I suppose it was one of those games that, in a way, it was easier to organise. Mm. A, more guys played golf or tended to than, than than did fishing sort of seriously. So, And then secondly, when, you, when you're travelling around, it's not always easy to organise a boat and, and gear, and yet it's not that hard to ring up a golf club mm. and say, can we book a couple of slots and do you have a few high clubs? So that golf was always easier. And as I said, there was a few more guys like the, the Borders and the Boons and the Marshes um, and then the Pontings, the Bluets, these sort of guys who... We played a pretty useful round of golf. So you could always get a good contest. And if you had four guys who were very competitive, uh, you know, former Australian cricketers, you put them in a group and say, OK, it's 2v2. It was always very competitive and a lot of fun. What would be your favourite fishing spot? The, I guess the, the favourite place you, you, you do either tend to go to more often or the best place you might have only been to once? Uh, well, it sort of changes. I've been lucky enough to fish a lot of good spots in Australia and, and even in spots around the world, but... I used to always love going to the top end of Australia and fishing for barramundi and um, sort of those iconic species like that up there. And you always got uh, quite big and, and a lot of good fish up there. But in recent times, um, I've become a bit more of a brim fisherman, uh, fishing in a few brim comps up there sort of the eastern coast of Australia. So I really enjoy going down the south coast, um, down to places like Malakuta. Mm-hmm. I find really interesting. I've, I've fished the Bem River down there in Gippsland a few times. Um, I just find them you know, uh, very relaxing, as I said, and interesting, and all very different. Um, and, and that's what I've liked about my fishing in recent times. I, I've only been introduced to the brim fishing side of things probably six or seven years ago, and it really has opened my eyes to the sort of fishing that's available. Former Australian captain Mark Taylor is with us. Just, I guess, a few on the uh, cricket before we let you go. Uh, looking at, obviously, you've just come off the, the big home summer where it started poorly against South Africa and, and finished well against Pakistan, then obviously went over to New Zealand for a few one-dayers. I guess that the game started to change in the mid-'90s with the, the, the difference between the Test and the one-day teams. Did you ever think back then that you'd have Australia playing India and India in a Test series whilst they were also playing Sri Lanka at home in a T20 match? Uh, well, probably not. But no one thought about T20 cricket until probably, yeah. well, I suppose 15 years ago or something like that. So there's no doubt that this extra form of the game, which is loved by so many people, um, really has created opportunities and at times created some controversy as well. And I know there's a lot of people who don't like the idea of the Australian side playing a test match in India when there's also an Australian side playing here in T20 cricket, and it's not ideal. But having said that, there's still a lot of people who want to watch both forms of the game. We've now got over something like one or two, 1.2, 1.3 million people who are now absolutely um, engaged in the game of cricket, and they want to see it. I, I know some people of, of my generation and, and probably a little bit older just want to see one Australian side, but those days were gone 25 years ago. There is more people now representing Australia than there used to be, but well, that changed even during my time as a player. So, look, it's, it's, is it ideal? Probably not. But people, there's a lot of people out there now, a lot more people, who want to watch cricket, whether it be T20 cricket or one-day one cricket or test match cricket. And I think one of the jobs of Cricket Australia is to make sure those people can see the, the various forms of the game. You've captained Australia on a tour of India. Uh, Steve Waugh obviously did that as well. They had the victory in 2004, but it's the only win Australia have had there in a series since 1957. So very difficult place to play, very good team. Uh, outside of the obvious, we know that the conditions are, are always very taxing on Australian players and they are a good side at home. What makes that such a difficult road trip for, for anyone in the world to, to make? Oh, you mentioned the conditions, but, but they are certainly improving. Started about that. Um, I think it's just more the, the way you play over there. It's, no matter how much practice you, you get, and the Australian side are in sort of Dubai at the moment doing some lead-up games and some lead-up training on some similar type wickets, that, that atmosphere over there mixed with the wickets and the pitches you play on where the ball is slower off the pitch, it turns more, that does take a little bit of getting used to. Um, our players, a lot of those players who are on that tour have played in the IPL, they've had now a lot more experience. But playing a test match uh, in these in these venues uh, against a side that are absolute considered gods over there is an experience which is hard to replicate in training. Mm. 
Mm. Um, you can you can do as much as you possibly can leading up to that to that tour, but it's when you get on the park is where the real test is, and that's been the hardest thing I think for Australian sides to really replicate that in practice to get ready for a tour like that. I guess it, it always changes, but as a captain, I'm curious to know, with Glenn Maxwell, who didn't bowl in the one-day series uh, against Pakistan, Travis Head did bowl as a spinning all-rounder, not going to India, Maxwell is. Uh, in that Steve Smith situation, would it be hard to, I guess, convince Maxwell that you still have faith in him as a bowler because you weren't using him? And would selectors have been in your ear if you were captain in that situation saying, yeah. we're taking him to India, you should probably bowl him? Yeah, look, I don't really know. And that's something that I'd, I obviously not privy to those sort of conversations mm. between selectors and captain. But I, I think we all found it a little bit strange that the Glenn Maxwell didn't bowl at least some overs mm. during the one-day series. Um, you certainly can't be too critical of Steve because he, you know, they won the one-day as mm. and won them very well. Um, so the job was certainly done. But it, it will be difficult now. Well, it'll be certainly different, a good challenge for Steve Smith now to be able, if Glenn Maxwell plays in the test series, to then use him as a frontline bowler. Um, I suppose what he'll do say is he sees him more as a test match bowler, somebody who can get wickets for him. And I hope if you know, Maxie does play, that they can get the best out of him because we know what he can be like when he's at his very best. So there's definitely some work that needs to be done there. And I'm sure Steve and the management team of, of uh, Darren Lehman and the, and the manager will, will be working as hard as they can to bring the best out of all the players because, as Darren, I think, said during the week, they're going to need everything to go right over there for them to win. Speaking with Mark Taylor, last couple before we let you go. If you were sort of, obviously it's horses for courses in terms of what the conditions do uh, pose, but do you think Australia would be more likely to pick, say, three quicks and a spinner and then have, say, Maxwell as your second spinner batting at six or go maybe two quicks and two spinners, so Stark and Hazelwood and then pick Lyon and either Agar or Swepson and then play Mitch Marsh at number six as your third quick? Well, I think that's going to be extremely dependent on the pitches that are produced. Mm. Um, I, I, I've heard different reports about the sort of pitches that, that Australia are going to get. There's one train of thought that suggests that Australia are going to get uh, slow-turning pitches without much grass in them. But I, I know that I've heard from Virat Kohli, who I've got a lot of time for, he's been encouraging uh, ground staffs and, and, and people over in India to produce just good test pitches mm. because he knows that his batsmen need to start getting used to playing Australian sides on, on faster, bouncier pitches as well if they want to be considered uh, good all-round cricketers. So uh, I'll be interested to see what sort of pitches they do produce. If they are what you'd call just a good, even test pitch, I think Australia will err towards the three quicks because that's where we've, we've had our success in the past. Um, if they are low and slow, I think you might see uh, two spinners and even maybe a third spinner if they put out real turns. I think the batsman, in terms of the balance of the batting lineup, is, is sort of better equipped for Indian conditions. We know Hanscom is a terrific player of spin bowling. We know Smith and Warner can handle those conditions. Renshaw looks to have a very solid technique, although um, obviously getting exposed to, to that heavy spin would be probably for the first time in his career. But it looks like the batting's OK. Yeah, it does. But once again, it'll be a different yeah. test over there, yeah. playing in Australia. Um, and once again, they'll just need to, to, to work out their best way of playing. I know... But some people have said that you've got to be aggressive over there. Others say you've got to take the time and, uh, and just wear them down. I, I think you've got to work it out for yourself. I, I think the great story of Matthew Hayden many years ago yeah. when he scored all those runs in 2001, you know, he wasn't a great player of slow bowling before that. He worked on his own theory, he worked on his own style and made lots of runs over there. That's what you've got to do. You've got to work out the system that's going to work for you. And just finally, uh, do you feel Australia can be competitive over there? We've spoken to Ian Healy, who feels that they they can. Uh, India have been eating up everyone. They beat South Africa. They beat England at home. They smashed New Zealand. So they've been sort of running through teams. Can Australia avoid that? They, they can certainly be competitive. I've no doubt about that. But obviously, making runs is going to be the key, particularly in the first innings. Mm-hmm. need to make big scores and then bowl, obviously, consistently and, and just about catch everything. Put India under some pressure. Mark, thank you very much. Always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, regaling some stories out in the boats at Merv, and people can obviously catch that on Merv's Outdoor Adventures. Absolute pleasure, Darren.